With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to MLB Extras, the Washington Nationals edition. Hello, everyone. I'm Allison Footer, and I'm here with Jamal Collier, who, of course, covers the Nationals and has had no time to rest this entire offseason because until Mr. Bryce Harper signs with somebody, we're going to be talking about him. Um, so let's start with him, Jamal, because that is the uh, clear and pressing news. Um, not that there is any news, but what do you think happened? I mean, I, I, you know Harper certainly better than I know Harper. Um I mean, is there a realistic chance that he could come back to the Nationals? I think there is. And I think that, um, you know, the Nationals, of course, spent the, the whole week of the winter meetings talking about how the door was not closed and, and how that they expect to at some point kind of re-engage or renegotiate um, with Scott Boris and Harper and company. It just sort of, they circle back before they kind of make their ultimate decision. Um, what I can say is that the, you know, however much the door may not be closed, I think it's starting to kind of start to, you know, it, it's barely cracked at this point. Um, I think there's definitely a chance, a scenario where that, you know, in a month or so or in a couple of weeks that these two sides decide to it works out for each other. But, you know, as we've seen, the Nationals have, are not, they haven't been waiting around for Harper. You know, they've kind of went about their offseason. Um, and, you know, even even if it's like every single week, they're kind of doing something different to kind of tweak and kind of reshape this roster. And I think that eventually they're just going to be at a point here where they're going to feel good about their team and feel good about what they have and 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 you know they and they have been doing the preparing themselves for life without Harper in general but I just think that um you know while I'm not ready to say that there's no chance that this is going to come back I definitely feel like it's much less likely than it was um at the start of the offseason or even a month ago just because the Nats have continued not even just the Patrick Corbin but trading Tanner and and, and signing Matt they just continue to kind of go about their their business here um and not kind of be concerned with waiting for Harper to kind of make his ultimate decision so not 100% done yet but I think it's becoming less and less uh uh, likely um, as the as the days kind of continue on here. Uh, yeah, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, and obviously I've not talked to you at length about this, but it just seemed like when that news came out that the Nationals uh, offered him a $300 million contract toward the end of the season, and it just seemed like a really odd thing to do. Like that sort of seems to be the end game and not the beginning game. It was almost like they, it sounded like they were just, they're just not in the mood to really negotiate. And, and They've almost prepared mentally that he's not coming back and did little preparation for the for the remote idea that they, he might want to come back. And I think that that's um, kind of one of the things that I, I thought about, too, is that that offer, you know, it's, it's really good as it was. Right. I'm not trying to almost dismiss a 10 year, 300 you know, million dollar offer. But, you know, there was almost no chance that he was going to actually accept that. And I think that, um, you know, on one hand, you could have looked at it as, all right, that's how they're going to start the the kind of ground level here. And, and then they can negotiate from there. But I mean, from all accounts, you know, these two sides have not necessarily been engaged. They haven't really had a whole, had much conversations um, going forward here. So I think that, you know, the, that was necessarily their offer. I think that, you know, again, there's a scenario here. And, and a lot of this is difficult to tell because it's going to come down to ownership and decide what the learner family ultimately uh you know, whether or not they want to decide to write the check that it would take to bring Harper back to D.C. And I think the one thing that makes me say not, it's not 100 percent, despite even Mark Lerner's comments that kind of got a lot of traction a couple of weeks ago, um, is that they really just they really do love the player. 
and love Bryce Harper. And, and Mark uh, Lerner in that interview kind of uh, repeatedly mentioned him as his family. And, and um, you know, I think there's just such a connection here between both sides that, you know, perhaps if, you know, in a month or so, if, if the best deal that Bryce has is 10 and 330, you know, perhaps he comes back to them and says, hey, can we do this? And and, and they just and they just end up doing it. But I mean, th- all that being said, they've kind of set themselves up, positioned themselves up to kind of move on and go with life without Bryce. And I think that something would have to change or or uh, you know be flipped dramatically here in the next couple of weeks for for the for these two sides to kind of bring themselves back. Um, and that's just kind of me speculating right now. But I think that um, again, no one wants to close the door officially on it so far. But I think that you know Harper is in, and, and the Nats it's becoming just increasingly unlikely that this is going to end up happening. Yeah, Scott Boris needs the Nationals to stay engaged, right? Sure. I mean, you can't set a record, can't sign a record-setting deal with only one team interested. <laughs> you have to have, yeah, and, you have to have bidders. And the same way for the Nationals, right? If, if the Phillies <laughs> are actually involved or whatever, they they have no, they they want to make sure that price is as high as it could be. They don't, you know, they want to do the Phillies or anybody else any any discount favors. So, um, yeah, I think it, it behooves both sides to to still kind of leave that door cracked as much as they can here. Okay, well, we'll move on to somebody who really wants to be with the Nationals and who uh, actually just signed a one deal, uh, Matt Adams. So he came to the Nationals last year. He had a really uh, nice, nice run after they acquired him. So that's a pretty nice little pickup. Yeah, and it's a position that the Nats have really kind of focused on the last couple of years. Ryan Zimmerman is, is obviously getting up there in age and still just a productive player when he's healthy, but he's had his share of injuries um, and just, you know, and, and he's not been on the field as much as, they, as he would like or they would like so, so far the last couple of years. So I think that um, they really emphasize getting a left-handed complement with him at first base and almost you know, use him as a platoon, but being able to, to, to let Zim take a day after a night game off or just keep his body fresh and, and, and have a productive player behind him. And Matt Adams was perfect in that role last year. Um, Zim ended up getting hurt in the DL. Adams came in and was, was amazing for them in that, that first half, especially I think the 18 home runs in the 95 or so games that he was out there. So I think that, you know, even when they traded him away to St. Louis uh, at the, before the waiver deadline, you know, they were both, he was very open about how much he enjoyed his time here. We just got off a conference call with him uh, actually earlier, earlier in the day here, Tuesday, where he talked about, Hey, I was only there for three quarters of a season, but it really, really got attached to him. It felt like home to me. And uh, I think that, you know, it just made sense for both of these sides to kind of to work out something and kind of, you know, work out this reunion here. So um, it's, it's a perfect fit for the Nats and it's something that, you know, makes their bench and makes their team a lot stronger and helps out with the power, um, you know, to, to those home runs that you would lose if Harper doesn't decide to come back. Yeah, so the team is uh, filling out some needs. A lot, not a lot of activity um, at all at the winter meetings, but I think that the winter meetings barometer is sort of a thing for fans where people in the industry really understand that a lot of this work is done later and that uh, opening day is still months and months and months away. Um, but uh, interestingly, I mean, it sounded like, you know, just from reading uh, some of your articles on the Nationals website, that you were a little surprised to hear that they might be um, in, in the running for a second baseman. You know, just because it started the offseason, um, they were very forceful about how um, they did not need a second baseman. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was it was one of the areas that I, I thought coming to the year that they to the winter that okay they would need to address second base because they Daniel Murphy they'd had for a couple of years obviously he was he was come, a benefit free agent. Howie Kendrick was has been really good and a productive hitter, but he's also thirty five coming off an Achilles injury. Wilmer Defoe they have is is a really great defender, but it's kind of not hit consistently enough to justify playing every day. So I thought that they would explore, especially since there were so many second basemen, that they would kind of explore the market. And it started off with Rizzo, I believe, at the GM meeting, said, hey, we don't need a second baseman. We're good where we, where we are. Um, 
And then slowly over the past maybe month and a half or so, that stance has went into, well, there's a value out there. And well, if, if this and to pretty much at the weird meetings, it was pretty clear that they're going to they're exploring this market somewhat aggressively here. And they checked in on DJ LeMay, who was probably the top free agent available. Uh, you know, they, they, they checked in on just a couple of different options. There's just so many just different second base options out there. Um, from the Marvel Gonzalez's to the Jed Lowry to, to you know, some of the guys who can, Neil Walker can play second in first day. We just saw Descalso uh, go to the Cubs uh, here a little this week. And Ian Kinsler just signed. There's just been so many different options that I, uh, I don't think I was surprised that they are going for it. I, I, you know, I think that it just makes sense here to find somebody else to help complement, perhaps even to play second base every day. And now you can use Howie Kendrick in the role they initially envisioned for him, which was coming off the bench, playing second, playing the outfield, playing first base, kind of moving around and hopping around like that, as opposed to counting on him to, to take 120 or whatever it is, uh, games of the bats for a guy who, again, is, is getting up there in age and coming off kind of a major surgery. So I think that, um, you know, I think that I'm just surprised giving off where they were. I was surprised that they weren't in then given what they said i'm surprised and now all of a sudden they are in <laughs> so it kind of keeps uh keeps you know keeps turning here in, in in dc but i do expect them to get somebody at second base uh, dj lemay he seems like he might be a little bit too pricey for them um just kind of based off their initial talks but i do think that they're going to try to find somebody uh just to help complement their second base combination yeah i think the one thing we learned about mike rizzo over the years is that he's not a guy that just kind of sits back and no. he, he likes to make things happen he's very aggressive his personality when you meet him in person he's a, he's a really uh you know just kind of out there guy um so that doesn't surprise me that he probably has his hands in anything that would possibly improve the team it's funny allison because this has been a, a you know pretty active offseason for the nationals not just with bryce harper limit you know out there but you know they early on got the relievers they wanted they got the catchers they wanted uh you know they they Patrick Corbin, and they trade away a starting pitcher with Tanner Roar, and they still have some starters. So it's, it's still like they've been very active, but they still have quite a bit to do. When you think about one, maybe two starting pitchers, think about they'll probably look for another bullpen arm, uh, you know, somewhere to, to kind of help out. They may look for some some depth starting pitching options at second base. It's still um, been, a, been a very active winter, but I don't think the next month or so is going to be a boring one for Nats fans. I think that there's still quite a bit of tweaking to be done to this roster, um, and it's just intriguing to see how they've kind of revamped and overhaul this team uh, on the fly and to try to get them back to the playoffs after missing it last year for the first time since uh, 2015. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their window, I don't know how, how, how uh, long the window will be open, but it is still definitely, open, especially since you, as long as they have Max Scherzer on the team. Um, let's go to your inbox. There's an interesting question from Charlie that you posted recently. Any prospects that aren't really talked about a lot that you feel could have an impact this spring or uh, during the season, if given the opportunity, any top guys come to mind? Yeah, I mean, with well, a big one, I think it's Carter Keboom, and he's not one who's necessarily flown under the radar, but um, I think he's going to get a pretty good chance to uh, to to if he if his development goes you know, gracefully here over the, over the next. You know, to start the season, making the team out of spring training might be difficult uh, because he's never played second base. And I think they really want to get him some reps in the minors at second. But if he, you know, continues on the on the upward kind of trajectory, um, we'll almost for sure see him at some point in 2019. And I think that that's, uh, you know, a pretty. It's one of the reasons why I think that they are a little bit hesitant to to sign a second baseman to a long term kind of deal because they know that this guy is close to ready. And, and I think that, um, you know, that could be your second baseman of the future when your middle infielders the future with Trey Turner, um, you know, everything goes well. So I think that he's the big one that I'd point to right now. Um, 
I do like the guy that they or just am intrigued by the guy that they traded for uh, from the Reds, Tanner Rainey, and that first Tanner for Tanner deal possibly in MLB history. Uh, <laughs> I think the guy, you know, he, he only had a, a handful of appearances in the majors last year. I think it was seven games something. Um, and this has had his kind of struggles, but one of the big things is that he does have, he touched hundred miles an hour. And I think that that's still, even in the age of velocity is still somewhat of a rare occurrence to get to that triple digits, uh, and, and be able to do it consistently. So, you know, he's a guy that they've got to figure out his control, got to figure out some things with him, but he could be a really, really, uh, intriguing prospect for them. And a guy with options that, you know, if he puts it together, he could be a, a, a huge late inning weapon for him. Sounds good. Okay, Jamal, good stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody for listening to MLB Extras, the Washington Nationals podcast. We'll catch you next time. And uh, thank you, Jamal. Talk to you soon. Thank you.